This podcast is part of the Batman Universe Podcast Network, hosted by the BatmanUniverse.net. Check out everything related to Batman and the entire Bat family at the BatmanUniverse.net, including news and original content related to comics, movies, television, merchandise, video games, and more. Also, check out some of the other unique podcasts that TBU has to offer. Consider supporting this podcast by becoming a patron on Patreon. Even $1 can go a long way in supporting this content that you enjoy. Look for a link over at thebatmanuniverse.net to offer your support now. And now, on with the show. Hi, this is Jim Lee, and you're listening to the Batman Universe Comic Podcast. Hi, I'm Dan Jerkins, and you're listening to the Batman Universe Comic Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Batman Universe Comic Podcast, episode number 254. I am your host, Dustin, and today I have with me... This is Ed. And this is Deb. And we are bringing the latest comic news and comic book reviews from the weeks of July 15th through July 28th. And uh, over the last two weeks, we had Comic-Con, so we have some news from that and other news as far as solicitations. So we're going to dive into the news because we also have two reviews, and the feedback we got was that you guys love Monkey Watch... So we're going to make sure we can try to get to another monkey watch for all of you. So with that, let's jump straight into the news. So the very first thing we've got is before Comic-Con, as expected, there was a couple of announcements that happened. The first one being that there is a new miniseries coming out in October. It was surprising that these were announced only because solicitations were actually like a week behind only because of the amount of Mondays in the month. There happened to be an extra Monday, so everyone was kind of expecting the solicitations right before Comic-Con, but that didn't happen. But they did announce just a couple of things, one of them being a new miniseries called Old Lady Harley. This is from Frank Terry and artist Morissette, and it's a five-issue miniseries that's going to be exploring Harley's exploits when a certain figure from her past shows up in the future. Now, if you pay attention to the Harley Quinn main series, the final issue of Frank Thierry's run was actually this old lady Harley, where it's just basically like an older version of Harley set in the future. And this is literally picking up, I guess, either a success or that was meant to just basically be like a setup to it. I'm guessing it's a setup only because this is five issue miniseries. So if they combine it with that one issue, it'll make it that nice trade six number that Perfect everyone size. loves. So this is going to kick off in October. The solicitation says after liberating New York city from her now feral gang of Harleys, poor Harley wants nothing more to than to slip back into retirement in her coastal and heavily guarded paradise. But the laughing boys gang has another idea. They'll follow her to the ends of the earth to drag her back to their leader. It can't actually be him, right? He couldn't still be alive. Could he? After all, Harley killed him herself with her bare hands. Should she turn to President Power Girl for help or flee to the 51st state Atlantis? Step into an insane version of the DC Universe as we all hope we don't live to see. So, like I said, it's coming in October. The first issue actually comes out on October 24th. As usual, we will be covering this miniseries along with the other new miniseries that we'll be releasing. So you can check that out over on the site. Any immediate thoughts on Old Lady Harley? 
I hope our uh, Patreon community votes for this to be our special <laughs> review. Pretty much. That's what I'm saying here. Yeah. Yeah, I, I did enjoy the old Lady Harley in the main series. That was that was pretty fun. Yeah, I like it. All right. So the next bit of news was also on July 16th. DC announced that they are going to be doing some more Hanna-Barbera specials. Now, they previously did these. The closest thing we got to a Batman Universe crossover with Hanna-Barbera before was the Banana Splits and Suicide Squad, which we covered, but it was like the as far removed as you could get, but it, we covered it. This time around, there's only one that's actually going to be touching the Batman universe in some way, and that's a Nightwing team up with Magilla Gorilla. If you're curious to know what the other ones are, Deathstroke will be teaming with Yogi Bear, Green Lantern with Huckleberry Hound, and Superman with Top Cat. The Magilla Gorilla Nightwing one is going to be written by Heath Corson and art by Tom Grummet. The solicitation for this one says, when a famous Hollywood talent agent is found brutally murdered, suspicion and evidence seem to point to his most famous client, Oscar-winning actor Magilla Gorilla. Dick Grayson, already in Tinseltown to meet with said agent, senses something suspicious donning his Nightwing costume and joining forces with the Simeon suspect. He's got one night to prove that his monkey doesn't belong in a cage. So, this is a 48-page special. It's going to be coming out on October 31st, priced at $4.99. It will also include a backup. All of the four crossovers will include a backup story featuring Secret Squirrel. So there's that. There's five Wednesdays in October, just like in August. And August happens to be the Looney Tunes specials. Hanna-Barbera is coming in October. It seems like this is something DC is going to keep doing because they're not having a lot of other books that are releasing on that fifth week. Um, in, in the past, we've seen a lot of annuals, like in, in August, we actually have four Looney Tunes as well, but there's also a ton of annuals, including three from the Batman universe that we'll be covering over on the site. But, uh, so more Hanna-Barbera, what do you guys think? I feel like this is kind of getting beaten to the ground a little bit. Uh, I mean, it's not for me. I don't really read them. So sorry, everybody. Same for me. They're not my jam. So in other words, I guess if you really want to hear two people at least talk about something they don't want to talk about. <laughs> Vote for a Nightwing McGilla Gorilla. Yeah, that, that would be a good way to make me, you know, if, uncomfortable, but I'll be glad to, to help. I, I don't have a problem with these. Uh, I think some of them have been done pretty well. Some of the reimagined Hanna-Barbera stuff that DC has put out as either miniseries or longer series that have lasted, some of them are actually pretty good. Rough and Ready, I was pleasantly surprised by that one. I've read the other crossovers. Some of the crossovers a little bit feel a little forced, and honestly... The fact that they're trying to go for this like hyper-realism of Hanna-Barbera characters is slightly insane. But I can appreciate something that is outside the norm, especially after I thought that the Batman Elmer Fudd story was going to be the biggest waste of my time. It actually was really good. It also happens, which we'll talk about in a minute, happens to, might might have had a part of winning <laughs> Tom King and Eisner. So Yeah, I don't know gonna have to look pass on that one okay so now we get to san diego so there's a bunch of different stuff that happened at san diego there's a bunch of like big things that were announced and then there's some smaller stuff too so the, let's talk about some of the big things so first up there was a there was a bunch of new dc inc and dc zoom titles that were announced there was also more details on some of the creators that will be attached to some of the series that were already previously announced meaning some of the artists that are now going to be attached to some of the ones that are like part of the second wave 
There's also some more dates. Now the dates go all the way through December of 2019. With some of the books, there was a couple of new books announced that are going to happen as well. So real quick, there were six projects already planned. There's an additional six projects already planned. The new titles include three focus on the Bat Family. Oracle Rising by Marike Nijikapop. I, I, I'm sure I said that wrong. I but... think that probably sounds about right. <laughs> Shadow of the Batgirl by Sarah Kuhn or Kun. Dick Grayson Lost Carnival by Michael Morikai. Uh, Oracle Rising will focus on a teenage Barbara Gordon after she is confined to a wheelchair by the Joker. Shadow of the Batgirl will focus on Cassandra Kane and her adventures under the mask. And absolutely no story details were released for Dick Grayson Lost Carnival, so we can't assume he'll be Robin in the story or not. But it'll have something to do with the circus. Also in the announcement, DC announced that Chris Wildgoose, who is formerly on Batgirl, is going to be the artist for Stuart Moore's adaption of Mary Lou's Batman Nightwalker. Thomas Pitty Lee will handle the art for Melissa De La Cruz's Gotham High. And the cover of Batman Nightwalker was also revealed, which you can see over on the site. We also have the full list of all of the creators attached to the series, as well as the updated release schedule for the books that are coming out. There's a lot of books. I mean, they're definitely... I mean, before these things even hit stores, because they're not even going to hit stores until April of 2019, they've already announced a second wave of books, and there's at least 20 books now. So wow. they're not they're not holding back. Sounds like they're going all in, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so the next bit of news from San Diego is that if you guys follow along with Jessica's Last Week in the Batcave, every once in a while there's a project out there that gets hinted we have no knowledge of what the project is, but it's a big-name creator, and they're doing something related to Batman. This was something, a very similar situation. So if you remember, right now there's a series out there that's called Batman Creature of the Night. That series, which we're still waiting for issue number four, it seems like it's been delayed forever, but that series launched back in very, very late 2017, but it was actually first initially announced, and we actually posted the news about it way back in 2011 it wasn't officially solicited or anything like that but there was talk of the series on a promotional basis not just like a off-the-cuff random comment about a series anyway last week in the Batcave kind of delves into some of those offhand comments or projects that have not been released back in 2014 there was a project that mark silvestri was was hinting at that he was involved in last year he posted some more work for it and we picked up on it and did it in the last week in the Batcave. And now it's been finally announced what that project is. The project is called Batman, the Joker, the Deadly Duo and has been in development for several years. Silvestri was on hand to talk about the challenges he faced when teaming Batman up with his greatest foe, the Joker. The plot will feature an unknown enemy who has his sights set on the Joker while also kidnapping and torturing Commissioner Gordon. The series will initially was initially hinted at uh, like I said, back in 2014, but is now going to be at least seven and a half issues. I don't know how, what? what that exactly means because that's how. So isn't that called it was originally eight? Supposed isn't that called eight? Originally, yeah, it is. But originally it was supposed to be six issues, and now I guess it's up to seven and a half. So I'm guessing most likely what will happen is it'll get become eight that's called full eight. issues with uh, some sort of epilogue at the end. The only real thing I've seen about this, it will be published under the DC Black Label imprint. And there's no word on exactly when it will be released. It's just they announced it. Just like last year, they announced Arkham Asylum 2 by Grant Morrison. We haven't, haven't heard anything about that since then. Um, and a lot of these, it seems like a lot of these DC Black Label projects you hear about way in advance. And then it takes forever for them to actually come into fruition. But the 
weird part about this is it honestly sounds like Batman Europa. And I've seen people talk about that on Twitter about how maybe this was planned before Europa because Europa came out in, I believe, early 2017 or late 2016, early 2017, if I remember correctly. And Europa was Batman having to team up with the Joker in some way. So I'm hoping that somebody told Mark Silvestri over the past four years he's been working on this project that there's another series that came out because in the middle of him discussing the project at Comic-Con, he did go on to say that, you know, Batman teaming up with the Joker is unheard of and, you know, it hasn't been seen. And I was thinking as I was you know, well, watching the recap, than, I was like, yeah. eh, I don't know about that. But so even without Europa, that's not the first time it's ever happened. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm sorry. I, mean, I love. Listen, I think it looks good. By the way, cover art looks fantastic. But and this isn't a jab at anybody, brother. It is real tough to find something in a character that's almost 80 years old that nobody's done before. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not even mad at you about it. It just, I mean, it looks good. I like his stuff. I'm actually looking forward to this, especially that half issue. Because if I go in a comic store and say, I want a half issue. I'd like, I'd like seven and a half. And some dude pulls out a comic book, rips it in half, and hands me <laughs> half of it. I'm gonna be pretty upset. So. Like to see where that goes. All right. The next bit of news from Comic Con was that there was a little bit more details revealed about the Batman Three Joker series, including the the first cover art. The series is going to be part of DC Black Label. The announcement came during a spotlight on Jeff Johns when uh, Dan DiDio was basically interviewing him. There is no word exactly on when it will release at this, other than they said it will take it will release sometime in the winter. So that could be December or it could be January, February. We we have no idea. But anyway, Jason Fabic is in fact doing the art. Brad Anderson is going to be the colorist on the series. It's going to be three issues. Even though it's publishing under DC Black Label, Johns was very quick to point out that it is still going to take place in current continuity. So it's not an out of continuity title like a lot of the other DC Black Label stuff is. Which is interesting to me because it makes me wonder why exactly it's DC Black Label then, mm-hmm. other than because they're trying to build up the brand. I'm gonna say I feel like DC Black Label has just turned into something where they can put prestige series, prestige format, like have prestige format, because I don't understand why a you know in continuity. Could we do like Black Label for out of continuity and like Red Label <laughs> for something. in? Con- I, I mean something, right? Something. Anyway, he went on to say that it's a very grounded emotional story, and he said that the series will focus on Batman, Bruce Wayne, Batgirl, Barbara Gordon, and Red Hood, Jason Todd. Obviously, because Batgirl and Red Hood have the most direct connection to Joker, is my guess. So makes sense. Yeah. Like I said, yeah. no word on exactly when it's coming out, but I would. But you, we're it's expected to release, and Jason Fabic has been hard at work on it for a while because he's been tweeting about it for quite some time. So there's that. We have to cover that. As a full review on Comicast when that comes out, have to, right? I think so. That's ground shit. That, that that's like big boy Batman comics. We're gonna have to cover that. All right. No comment. All right, right Dustin. Now. All right. All right. All right. Thanks for backing me up. I appreciate it. Perfect. Yeah. All right. Next up, the there was a Justice League panel and Scott Snyder was present and he teased up leading to Comic Con that he was gonna have an announcement to make. Uh, the announcement is that in November, the Batman Who Laugh will be returning. Announced as a six-issue miniseries, Scott Snyder will reteam with Jacques to bring the character back. Snyder described the series as something he has really been eager to write and plans to get back to his horror roots. The miniseries pits Batman against the culmination of his fears from the Dark Multiverse. This, of course, would the e- would be the evil 
almond, the evil combination of himself and the Joker, the Batman Who Laughs. And he will also be bringing with him another evil version of Bruce Wayne. This one is the this version of Bruce Wayne actually killed Joe Chill with the very gun that uh, Joe Chill killed, used to kill his parents, and then he became basically the Punisher version of Batman. We have art that you can see over on the site for this. Uh, the artillery bats is it was named, but I don't know if that's actually the name. Um, is is the is this character that's coming? Um, this is the, Snyder debuted with with. Uh, DC Comics with Jock on Detective Comics back in 2010. This marks the Batman Last's first appearance and not a flashback, although I don't know if it is a flashback or not because we don't know what it is. But this is not DC Black Label. This is all just a normal miniseries. So, again, not understanding the, the definition of why some series are getting Black Label and some aren't, but this is happening, so it's happening in November. It doesn't sound like they have understand the difference either, by the way. So <laughs> I, I don't really think they do. All right, next bit is basically a roundup of a bunch of different stuff that wasn't at any specific panel that was a ton of stuff. So these are all a little bit of news bits here and there, but there's a bunch of different stuff to talk about. So while there was tons of big things revealed, there's a bunch of small stuff. On the DC Nation panel, Tom King was present, and while most of the discussion was about Heroes in Crisis from him... Other creators on the panel talked mostly about DCU projects that don't pertain to the Batman universe. Tom King did mention the wedding and stated that he hopes fans stick around to issue number 100 for the full story. He also cracked a joke about giving spoilers on the panel, but assumed the New York Times would beat him to it. That's funny. Yeah. During the Batman panel, the most significant announcement was that Batman would be returning to his Trunks on the Outside costume in Batman number 53. While if you have been following along with Doomsday Clock, you probably already knew a change was coming as the bat suit featured in the series is not Greg Capullo's design suit from the beginning of Rebirth. It does, however, prove that Doomsday Clock is going to have some continuity issues with taking place in the future since the bat suit featured in the series does not have the trunks on the outside. I find it hard to believe that they're going to screw up a future story with continuity issues, right? That's no, that's never happened before. Never oh, happened. Yeah. yeah, of course. It's, <laughs> that's never happened. Yeah. That's all new. First time for everything, huh? Also on the Batman panel, Peter Tomasi was finally announced to be heading to Detective Comics, what seems like the worst-kept secret in the Bat books. We have been predicting this for months. Tomasi will take over Detective Comics with number 994 in December with Doug Mankey on art, leaving only six issues before the monumental number 1000. The official reveal stated that Tomasi would build towards number 1000, so at this point, we have no idea whether or not he'll be on the series longer than that. Um, it better be. Other reports from the Comic-Con, there was, there was some conflicting reports on this announcement, and DC didn't, like, send out an official press release. There's conflicting reports. Some of them said that he's starting with 994, building towards number 1,000, which is what we got, what we reported, and was also reported by about three other sources. But there was another source out there that said that he would be heading up Detective Comics number 1,000 when he gets to it. So his story would build towards 1,000, and he would actually be, like, the... Brian Michael Bendis of Action Comics number 1000 when it comes to Detective Comics. I don't know if that's true because nobody else reported that except for one site, so I have no idea whether or not that's actually true. Anyway, some of the other highlights from the panel included an announcement that Batman Day 2018 will be September 15th. Joel Jones stated the reason behind the creation of Mrs. Creel, the villain featured in Catwoman number 1, is because there's, the, there's a lack of female DC villains comments on that in a minute but uh, she also noted that the idea behind the cutouts in Catwoman's new costume was to show movement through silhouette since she's always in the shadows 
Margaret Scott also said she loves the idea of Oracle, but she wants to bring her. If she was to bring her back, it would want to, she would want it to mean something, not just be a side story. She wanted to be like a big event. Before I move on, I want to talk about this the situation about Joel Jones talking about how there's no female villains. Now, I have no problem admitting that the vast majority of characters within the DC universe, probably by like a 75 to at least 25, maybe even an 80-20% rating, is that there's there's more males than females. But to say that there is no female villains that could actually face against Catwoman, I find a little bit disconcerting and also give concern as to whether or not she knows the history of some of the other characters that are in the DC universe. And I'm not, I don't want to sit here and turn this into like a bashing on Joel Jones by any means, but I am concerned when a creator states that there's no villains that are female when I can list at least 20 female villains just off the top of my head. It concerns me because you don't always have to have a Batman villain in order for it to be female. I know that a lot of the main a-list Batman villains are villains that are not going to be people that, you know, Catwoman's going to be facing off against, like Harley Quinn and Poison Ivy. I definitely understand that. But there are other characters that are out there that she could have used to say that she, the, the necessity of creating a new villain. Like, don't get me wrong. Creators create new villains and new characters all the time. That's their, that's their right. That's their ability to do that because they're creating the stories. I'm not going to tell them they can't do that. I'm not writing the books. I just review them. But what I will say is when someone says that they ha they had to create a villain because there was no other villains to use, it's really frustrating when I know the history of the characters and know that there's a ton of villains that, that is that could be a possibility. And not all of them have to be female, let's be true. I mean, Catwoman could face a male. There's no reason behind that. And there's been some great stories with Catwoman facing male villains. So slightly concerning. I mean, I, I wouldn't go so far as to say I'm concerned, but I would say this. There's a lot of junk female villains just as there's a ton of junk male villains i mean condiment king you know I mean, there's some bad i mean agreed so I, I think it would have been cool to take I and mean, there's so many god i mean just think about the bad ones that are out there like what about mayfly just thinking off the top of my head like ones that nobody really cares about you know what i mean and reinventing one of them would have been cool yeah i always think the idea of like reinventing a character is always a really cool idea because there's some characters that like I think about like Crazy Quilt. That guy is nuts. And but like the way he was used in Snyder's story actually was kind of funny. And not it wasn't necessarily meant to be funny. It was more like a here's a character, here's a nod to a character. I mean, look at Kite Man. I mean, mm -hmm. he's popped up more times in the last two years yeah, than bloody Kite most, Man. Yeah. yeah, more times than uh, you know most forgotten villains completely. But it's just there's I know that there's there's characters out there that are just sitting there. That aren't being used, and that could be just revitalized in a new way. And my other thing is that I don't really care when they make up a new one. It's just odd to say that there ain't enough out there. Yeah, you know? and, I, and I think that's the biggest thing. I mean, I remember back at the beginning of the New 52, Tony Daniel was on Detective Comics, and he all he was doing for like the first six issues was creating new villains not using any villains that existed before. And I remember having this big, long discussion at the beginning of the New 52 on one of the comic casts about how it was odd that he kept using his own creations or character, you know, just creating new characters rather than using established characters that most people would know. Like, if the point of the New 52 was to bring in new readers, why wouldn't you be introducing them to, like, classic characters and just doing new takes on them? And I didn't understand it. And the only explanation at the time was, 
Well, a creator creates a new villain because if that villain is used in the future, they get royalties from it. It might not be that much, but it's always better for a creator to create new characters rather than reusing somebody else's because they're not going to get credit for using, you know, they're not going to get as much credit as they could if they were using the other other characters that were their own. And like, I, I get that, I guess in in a, in a certain sense, creating your own, some of your own characters makes sense, but I don't, I don't know. Do you think maybe she meant there's no villain women that fit the bill for what she needed? Well, I'm sure that is partially what she wanted, just a, but what she said. that's not exactly what she said, and that's the part that, I mean, like, and I know it's it's one of those situations where, like, she probably meant something else and it's being misinterpreted, mm-hmm. but I was really frustrated when that comment was out there mm-hmm. and was like, but if you're going to I be, don't agree with that, but... If you're going to be reinventing a, a female villain, and listen, this, this is about to be, you know, this is, you know, Scott Snyder, the moment the podcast had talked about Scott Snyder, mm-hmm. always not writing a bat book. And I don't know, some people didn't like it. And I cannot even under, I can even get behind it. Like, I understand why some people disliked it. I personally liked it. But, like, Scott Snyder took villains that wouldn't work for a story and just reworked them so they did. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you're going to reinvent a villain, just make it into whatever you need it to be. Especially if it's some third-rate villain that we don't care about. You know? I'm cool with it. Just... Leave Joker alone? Or no, yeah. leave uh, well, Riddler. Leave the Riddler as he was. Riddler <laughs> as he was. And, you know, if she wanted to redo, like, Duel of Dent like properly you know joker's daughter someone needs to rework that character like quickly before we got to deal yeah. with that again that train wreck you know so yeah, i mean but it doesn't really mean yeah, I mean, it's kind of yeah all right the next panel was all about the justice league and the books that tie into new justice scott snyder stated that the next justice league story will focus on the joker and may reveal possible origin stories for the character although i'm guessing they're just like one of those potential origin stories, as uh, we know from like the Dark Knight. James Tynion explained that Man Bat is on the Justice League Dark Team simply because he will act as the team's mad scientist. Joshua Williamson stated that the decision to delay Justice League Odyssey came from the fact that they had scrapped the first two issues that they had already completed after the recent DC's Writer Summit to put it on a right path. It was supposed to be debuting in, in July. It's now not coming until September. The new Teen Titans headquarters is a converted youth detention center, which we have art if you are interested on the site for that. Snyder also stated that Dark Knights from the Dark Knight multiverse could return at some point, even though I thought they were destroyed, but okay. On Friday evening, the Eisners happened. The Best Writer Award was a tie between Marjorie Liu and Tom King for his work on Batman, Batman Annual Number 2, and Batman Elmer Fudd Special, as well as Mr. Miracle. This marks King's second Eisner win after winning Best Short Story last year for his good boy story appearing in the Batman Annual Number 1. On Saturday, the first panel of the day was DC's World's Finest. On the panel, Sam Humphreys talked about Harley Quinn. One of the upcoming arcs will address the creator of Harley Quinn comic books that has appeared in the universe. The creator's pen name is M. Clatterbuck, and the identity is a big secret that leads to Harley Quinn destroying the DC Universe continuity, culminating in Harley Quinn number 50. In Injustice 2, Killer Croc and Orca will be getting married. Tim Seeley teased that Injustice vs. Masters of the Universe has uh, Catwoman (laughs) riding a battle cat at some point. During the DC New Age of Heroes panel, James Tynion revealed that the Batman Who Laughs would be returning to Immortal Men, Sometime in the near future. 
Next up was the Tom King spotlight on Saturday evening with, with Batman, Mr. Miracle, and Heroes in Crisis, plus winning in Eisner the night before. There was a lot to discuss. After thanking fans for believing in what he has in store for Batman, he talked about Matt Wagner coming in September, including revealing the cover to the issue, which you can see in the same article on the site. There was talk about the next arc in which King and Tony Daniel wanted to use King Tut, but for whatever reason, DC wouldn't allow them to use him, so they decided to create a character who is essentially... King Tut and everything but name, and they called it Phantom Pharaoh. Clayman mentioned wanting to bring Phantasm into continuity, and after getting a response from the audience, Tom King said he would include her in a future script. Finally, the cover of Heroes in Crisis number two is revealed, which has Harley Quinn in possession of Wonder Woman's lasso, which you can see also on the, on the site. Moving into Sunday, the first DC panel was DC for All. Lee Bermejo spoke about the upcoming Batman Damned and said that it is Batman delving into the supernatural underbelly of Gotham while trying to solve the murder of the Joker. He also stated that the Black Label stories are meant to be good standalone stories that don't require knowledge of continuity. DC's Young Animal imprint will be going on a hiatus with Doom Patrol being the only one that is left to continue, it was stated that the imprint may or may not return, but that was the nature of having what they call a pop-up imprint, the idea that it can evolve and pivot when necessary. The final panel of comic coverage was the Joelle Jones spotlight. This panel had Jones talking about her work over the years, but the talk quickly led to Catwoman. Raina Creel is addicted to plastic surgery and drugs. Jones stated that Catwoman didn't have a villain that was specifically made for her, someone that she just can't fight off but she has to face off on an intellectual level jones said that she pitched a catwoman series over a year ago before finding out that catwoman was engaged there was a lot of that happened over the weekend but obviously we hope that you enjoy us talking about everything that happens so well that's that joelle jones didn't have to worry about much because by the time she got the character it wasn't engaged anymore <laughs> but the... right, come on she just had to include that one little panel uh, don't get me down and go down that rabbit hole again. Come on, no. Yeah, we're not. We're not. So, what's just a quick question of everything that was kind of released at Comic Con? A, a little bring it circle. What are you guys excited for the most, comic wise? Honestly, out of everything, it's probably Three Jokers. Three Jokers. Yeah, I mean, just just out of the stuff that was announced or like hinted at or whatever, like it's probably Three Jokers because, like, I I don't have like Dark Knight's Metal. It was enjoyable, but I didn't like absolutely love it. So knowing that like Batman Who Laughs is going to be coming back, eh, whatever. It's not that big of a deal to me. Like knowing that you know the you know some of these other smaller announcements, like the Dark Knights could return at some other point. Again, I don't really have a big not desire your, for not that. Not your deal, right? But like the three Jokers thing, I mean that was hinted at the beginning of Rebirth, and that's something that's just been looming there. And I would love to. I I, I really want to see that story more than I think anything else. And honestly, like the other big announcements with like the the Mark Silvestri project or you know the new DC Zoom and Ink titles. I mean, like those are all great. But I think Three Jokers beats that beats it by far. Even though that wasn't really announced, it was just well, what the, the announcement of we're actually getting it. It's coming. Yes. This is what, yeah. Yes. What about you, Steph? What do you think? Three Jokers too. Yeah, three jokers. I think, yeah, when I think about the Batman who laughs, it kind of reminds me of when, mind you, I'm only listening to you guys' podcasts, so that's my experience with this, but but how the, you know, the, the core of the owls did so well, and then they just saturated the market with oh, yeah. owls <laughs> and Talon. Yeah, with Talon yeah. and, and, and the Court of Owls being in Nightwing forever. It just yeah. kind of lost yeah. its charm. So, yeah, three jokers is something that 
what is it now? Two years ago, they said, oh, oh, here's a thing. And then they yeah. dangled it like a carrot, but it was never delved into. Picked and up. so yeah. so it's like, well, we've had the Batman who laughs. Let's let's look at something else that's cool. And so this is something I think that is very exciting and very neat. Yeah, I think it's tough to beat the three Joker spells. Yeah. I mean, that's something that we're all looking forward to. Especially with everyone else. Everything else seems to not really be in continuity. So it's like, eh, well, it might be cool, but... It's not. It's yeah, not gonna you know, you really. It's a. That's, good, a, that's, that's a, good a good point. point. It's it really, a really good point because, like, I'm that Azarella story that's coming out. I'm really looking forward to, but you know, it's not going to change the overall story. And this three Joker's one could, like, mm-hmm. really could. Yeah, you got a good point there, stuff. All right. So the last bit of news we have is solicitations. Solicitations were released for October of 2018, and there is a bunch of. Not, not. I, I, I don't know why I said a bunch because there's not. It's, it's really a low key month. I mean, obviously we already talked about the old Harley miniseries and the Hanna Barbera crossovers. There's a couple of things here and there. As previously revealed, Batgirl is moving away from Burnside and is back home with her dad. She'll also be getting a job at GCPD, giving her access to the police department's database, which will give her give our hero a chance to flex her Oracle skills to hunt down grotesque, assuming her foe doesn't use her own hacking skills against her. Nightwing hits number 50, which means it's an oversized issue that priced at four ninety nine. Is he getting married in it? <laughs> He's not getting married in it, but it does say that he was injured by KG Beast over in the pages of Batman. So the anniversary issue will delve into Dick's history of fear and doubt and how the Scarecrow factored into Dick's decision to become Nightwing. So that's interesting. Speaking of return of classic villains, the Joker will be arriving in Batman Beyond. Um, obviously, the last time joker the real joker was in batman beyond was back during the animated movie batman beyond return of the joker the new batman and robin as part of batman beyond will actually be facing against what they believe is the real joker and then the joker will be also popping up like i said earlier in the old lady harley series the interesting one of that i thought for the month was that it was announced that secret files is returning really so Not only are we getting the Hanna-Barbera series at the end of October because of the fifth Wednesday, but there is also going to be a Batman Secret Files number one. Now, this is the first Secret Files that's coming out, and there's not any other ones that are planned for that month, so I'm sure we'll see some more of them down the line as something that will probably also be included on fifth Wednesdays of the month. But the Secret Files is actually going to... It says there's a host of Batman villains that are going to be featured. There's also going to be a team-up story with Dark Knight Detective Chimp, so you know I'm going to be reading it. Oh, yeah. Uh, the the one-shot will feature a framing story by Tom King while delving into the mysteries of Batman and his rogues gallery. Um, what's slightly weird about this is that because... So the last two years, the Batman annual was came out in like October, November of 2016 and 2017 this year because november doesn't have five wednesdays october does and october has five wednesdays so you would expect the batman annual to come out but for whatever reason they're just doing the secret files with tom king doing this framing story which i seem i feel is weird because with all of the critical praise that the the first batman annual got especially with him winning the eisner for that story that he did about Ace the Bat Hound, and then the critical acclaim that he got for Batman Annual number two last year. It seems like a weird choice to have him not do a Batman Annual again this year and do a Secret Files. Now, Secret Files during the New 52 was a horrendous mess that I wish they never did because it messed with so, 
So many, and I and I say that because it wasn't called. So Secret not your Files. favorite book, Secret Origins. Yeah, yeah, it was called Secret Origins yeah, during crap. the Fifty Two. Yeah, it was bad. It was horrible, absolutely horrible. And I'm really hoping that Secret Files is not, you know, trying to do Secret Origins again because that was a train wreck that lasted way longer than it should have. But it'll be interesting because they've done Secret Files in the past, where it's just really a combination of short stories by different people. I don't really know what to expect with this because DC has kind of like turned certain expected versions of things like Secret Files or Secret Origins completely on their head the last couple of years. So who knows what exactly well, this will be. Let's be. I mean, just to be totally honest with you here, uh, although I have disagreed with some of Tom King's choices, he's not a bad writer. He will not pump out that drivel we got la- that during Secret Origins. No way. That's true. No way. I'm like, I disagree with some of the man's choices, but he's a solid writer. There, I mean, you remember some of the secret origins were bad. Like, yeah, I don't even, I don't even really want to overthink. I, 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 I just no. have to say Tim Drake, and that was Mm-mm. utter. It was nothing but toilet paper. I'll just put it that it way. Bad. You get a comic book, and it turns into toilet paper. So, um, are secret files yeah. like DC laying down what is current continuity, or? or clearing up secret origins is what that was supposed to be now secret files in the past is kind of like it's a combination of like some short stories that deal with certain characters and then in the past there's like a one-page biography mm-hmm. about a character shows like where they first appeared they're like normal vital stats how much they weigh their height hair color that kind of stuff their affiliations things like that that's what Secret Files has been in the past. Secret Origins is generally speaking, Origins. that's where they like set, here's the origin of this mm-hmm. character and this is how they came to be this character. They did it in the New 52, but because everything was so like completely wide open for interpretation to basically whoever they wanted to assign a story to, they messed with Origins like really, really badly. Weakly, yeah. And it wasn't just... I mean, like, there. Don't get me wrong. Not every single one of them was horrible, but there was the vast majority of them were reworking characters like really, really badly. And Tim Drake is probably the one that was done the worst out of the Batman universe. I remember there was a Damian Wayne one, which I want to say was done by Peter Tomasi, that actually was fine. But again, it's one of those things where Damian Wayne's not hasn't been around that long, so he's not probably a character that needed one, but. Secret Files just tends to be like, here's some characters. Wasn't there a Poise Ivan one that was just junk? I remember the Harley Quinn one being junk, too. The Harley... Well, see, I can't even... All I can remember about the Harley Quinn anger mode was that Villains Month story. You remember that? Yeah, where she... Kills, like... the thing with the video games. Yeah, it kills, like, thousands of innocent children. Oh, man. Yeah. yeah. All right, come on, get, that was get before. That, that was before the Harley Quinn like main series actually launched yeah but it which, wasn't like that far away it was I it, wasn't, it was like a it month it was before. like yeah no no it wasn't a month i think uh, harley quinn short. launched like in the spring and those villain months were in september the previous year but it was like a very weird decision but yeah all right so outside of the secret files injustice 2 will be wrapping up the events and the injustice universe Seems to be coming to an end um, because the Injustice, the final two issues are going to be coming in October. Don't believe it. Yeah, there's no word if there's a sequel series. But the one thing that's interesting to note about Injustice 2 ending is they already ended DC Comics bombshells. And now Injustice 2, which was the, well, the Injustice books in general. Because let's be honest, Injustice 2 has only been going on for like two years. But all the Injustice stuff has been happening for like seven years now. 
the Injustice and DC Comics bombshells are were the two ones, the two digital first series that were like happening for a long, long period of time. Bombshells is done. Gotham City Garage was something that was happening, but that was only was meant to be right? issues. Yeah. So that didn't that ended with the end of Injustice. It doesn't really seem like they're doing a whole lot of digital first series. I know Teen Titans Go is still digital first. That's a kid series, so maybe there's different rules when it comes to that. But it doesn't unless they start announcing some new digital series coming in November. Maybe they're just going to get away from the whole idea of digital first. Maybe they don't really do as well as they thought or something. I don't know. I know Injustice 2 hasn't sold very well in print format, but it has always sold really well in non-print format. So I'll believe that Injustice is ending when it ends. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Because, I mean, there's a lot of time in between <laughs> now and October for them to announce another series. So In honor of 24 24- our Comics Day, which is October 6th, if you don't know what that is, basically there's a there's like a you, there's a thing that happens in the comic cr- creator world where you basically you have a a blank comic book it has 24 pages, you basically write and draw a 24 page comic book in 24 hours. You can't pre-plan it and come up with a story ahead of time or plot it out. You have to do all of the work in one day. It was a thing that was that was started years ago. I think it was a th- I think and I don't know this for sure, but I think it was something that was started as like a like a charity God, thing. It's like, got to be a charity cre- thing. Right? Yeah, no I'm guessing this, it is. No one do this and, without and charity. Cre- get you know, a piece of the action. Come on, <laughs> create a comic and then like you sell the comic or something like that, and char- the money goes to charity. I'm sure it was probably something like that. I only va- vaguely know about it just because of what you know it being announced. But there's a Batman one. Now the the one thing that's now, don't get me wrong. It's a neat idea, but the, there's a couple problems. I saw that the blank comic that DC is releasing is only going to actually have 16 pages, not 24, which is makes sense. Doesn't make do, doesn't make any sense whatsoever. But the other thing that's slightly disturbing is the fact that DC is still trying to charge three dollars for a blank comic book. <laughs> Literally, white pages, 16 pages oh, of gosh. white, and a cover with nothing but a logo on it, and they're going to charge three dollars for it. I don't that's, see what the problem is here. They're also doing it for Superman, Wonder Woman. And I think that might be it, but yeah. Anyway, don't get it. Don't get also it. Also, being in the it, featured in the month is a Halloween type special. It's called Curse Comics Calvocate. So it's basically a collection. It's another anthology stories, a group of anthology stories. There's going to be ten stories. Batman's going to be in them. Swamp Thing, Wonder Woman, Wonder Woman's Atana. Eighty pages, ten stories. They seem to be doing these for the holidays. They just did one for the summer which we'll talk about during Greater Gotham. It's just another anthology series. They're doing about three of these a year now. The last one was for the summer featuring villains and it had a bunch of Batman characters in it. So there's that. And then finally, if there's other characters popping up from the Batman universe and other series, if you're expecting the sixth part of Deathstroke to be done with dealing with Batman to be wrapped, you would be right. But now Deathstroke is heading to Arkham, which kind of plays into the idea of what Ed was saying well, you don't know what Ed said because unless you're a Patreon supporter, you don't know what we were talking about. But in uh, the latest TBU Extra, we actually released, uh, we reviewed Deathstroke 33, which was the fan-voted issue that fans or our patrons wanted us to review. And we reviewed it and talked about Deathstroke 33. And Ed mentioned that there might be a reason as to why everything's happening. And it could lead to why Deathstroke is in Arkham come October. But if you want more, support us on Patreon at just the $3 level and you can hear all about Deathstroke 33. And Shazam. Yeah. Yes, and Shazam, which I'll get to all of those other things later on. But the Witching Hour crossover between Wonder Woman and Justice League Dark takes place in both issues of Wonder Woman, Justice League Dark, and two one-shots in the month of October and over in Damage 
10 damage will be facing off against the Justice League with an appearance from Batman almost a guarantee. We have a full list of all the solicitations that are coming out. There's a ton of books, as usual. Every single month, there's tons of books. Every month, I think to myself, oh, there's a little bit less books. The next month, there's a bunch more. Um, but we also have a gallery of some of the featured cover art. Also, in the month of October, they're doing something with the covers, where a lot of the covers are going to have, like, foil accents and things like that. Here comes so, the lenticular covers all <laughs> over again, ladies. Yes, but they're That's foil. Exactly but it didn't, but, but but the yeah. plus side is that the foil is not jacking the price up on any of these books. So that's a plus. The lenticular covers, on the other hand, those always did jack up the price. So that is solicitations. Hopefully, if there was something that you're interested in that I didn't talk about, be sure to check it out on the site. Nothing got canceled other than Injustice ending. So nothing else is happening. Creator changes, nothing's really changing that's of note. So that's that. All right, so we're almost halfway through the podcast, and we still got some comics to cover. So let's cover the very first book, Batman. Batman number 51, as it's more commonly known, the one after the wedding that didn't happen. This one is wrote by Tom King, art by Weeks. Gotham City Court, Bruce Wayne gets out of his limo. Headed to jury duty, he remembers the face of Mr. Freeze, currently on trial, as he beats him savagely while acting as Batman. Reporters crowd around him as he head inside the courthouse. His fellow jury pool members whisper about him as he continues to remember his attack, somewhat brutal attack, on Freeze. During jury selection, the defense asks Bruce how he feels about Batman. He says Batman is complicated and a part of the city. The lawyer presses, asking the nature of his association with Batman. We don't hear Bruce's answer, but the DA and prosecutor approve his selection. This particular trial requires a sequestered jury. As Bruce steps to the jury room, one of the other asks why the room is so cold. That's assuming what we call foreshadowing in the biz. In the hotel room, Bruce sits, then paces sleeplessly as the bat signal lights up the night. On the route to GCPD, Commissioner Gordon greets Batman, but he knows it's not Bruce, but rather the other him. Dick Grayson, for those of you at home. He asks if Batman is all right, to which Dick responds, no. The defense lays out the case for the jury. Three dead women, originally thought to have died from random blood clots in the brain until Batman examined them. Commissioner Gordon, being cross-examined against his will, admits that Batman is not licensed to perform autopsies. Shocker there. While fighting Killer Croc, Dick leaves a message for Bruce trying to express his concern and find out how Bruce is doing. In the cafeteria, the jury complains about having to serve jury duty, one of the members blaming on Batman. Bruce excuses himself to the restroom where he beats up a toilet. That's the thing that happened. Ripping it from the wall and hurling it across the, ra- the restroom to smash it to the other side, screaming out his pain. Detective Bullock tells the court that Batman left Freeze with a note pinned to his chest reading, He did it. Ask him. On the stand, Freeze admits to confessing after the doctors revived him from Batman's beating. He says that Batman was different, refusing to accept innocence, hitting him until he confessed to avoid death. Bruce looks down, holding his chin in his hand. As the jury deliberates, the foreman opens the votes, the majority of the jurors siding with Batman over Freeze. Almost everyone raises their hand with a vote of guilty, but as the foreman double-checks, we see that Bruce alone is raising his hand with a not-guilty vote. And thanks to Ian Miller on the site for helping me with the synopsis. So, I got two questions here. The first question is, is it ethical for Bruce to allow himself to be put on this jury? Oh, absolutely not. 100% not. They ask you, is there any reason? Do you know the defendant? You know, you, he's failing all those questions. Yeah, he's, he's just straight up lying. As and, Bruce and shouldn't he have excused himself? 
Like, Bruce Wayne could find a reason to get off a jury, guys. Like, let's be honest. That's a fact. Like, isn't this, like, almost super unethical for him allowing himself to be on this jury? I mean, I know this is the comic book world, not the real world, but, you know, we try to tie the two things together as close as we can. In the real world, the presumption of innocence and a fair jury trial is something that every American is guaranteed to. Isn't there, couldn't you almost tell a story here that Bruce is circumventing the U.S. Constitution and civil rights on a basic level? Oh, yeah. I mean, no question about it. The, the, the biggest problem is that I can't understand in my mind why this would be happening. The biggest problem I have with this idea of, of Bruce being on, on the jury is the fact that not only did he bring Mr. Freeze in, but we don't know whether or not the previous story of Mr. Freeze being involved with Wayne Enterprises is still within continuity. There's a huge problem where even if the, like Mr. Freeze's lawyer has to be the most incompetent lawyer in the world for this to be able to actually happen because they point out during the questions you know is there any reason that you know you shouldn't be on the jury we know you had associations with batman in the past he just claims yeah yeah everything will be fine no but no problem i got no problems you know i have good here issued being completely neutral in this situation mr freeze's lawyer has to be the worst absolute lawyer in the world and the thing is if anything, his lawyer would have a great case for an appeal if uh, he ends up being guilty because he's on that. I don't know why the prosecutor would want him on this case in the first place. It just seems like a mismatched possibility. I, I can't see either the prosecution or or the or Mr. Freeze's lawyer wanting Bruce Wayne on this jury. I don't know why either one of them would think that this is a good good thing. I think they would just be like, you know what, we both dismiss this one. Mm-hmm. No questions asked. Like, it just feels forced. And, you know, like, don't get me wrong. I actually enjoyed this story somewhat. But I feel like getting to the the enjoyment is slightly convoluted. Steph, anything else for you on that? Yeah, I mean, you definitely have to suspend your knowledge of the legal system to accept this story in its totality. But, I mean, I, I mean, it's it was a good story. I mean, with Dustin, I mean, I liked it for the most part. But, yeah, it is a little weird. But I don't, don't think I let it disrupt my enjoyment i was kind of actually thinking i was i was too young for the oj trials but for for michael jackson's trials and stuff i remember there were like stories on the news about how they have to find people for this jury that either have never heard of michael jackson or don't hate him or don't love him and i i kind of feel like this would be the same like in gotham there's got to be some kind of like that's yeah, good point. A, like a batman exception for jury members or jury yeah people on on juries it's like you know everyone's heard of batman and everyone has an opinion about him it would be strange to find 12 people let alone you know multiple juries worth of people that don't have an opinion about batman i mean bruce is totally a different case because he he, he's got he runs batman inc like (laughs) what are you doing here he had had to lie to get on his jury but but everyone else you know definitely has an opinion as well that would skewer their Thoughts. which is proved uh, i mean when they're having their their lunch together or whatever you know they're all laughing about batman being so violent and stuff like that and so obviously they have an opinion and i think too like the whole 12 anger man men thing mm-hmm. that we got going here with the one man mm-hmm. raises his hand which i think is where we're going to go with the story oh, 100 my question is is bruce saying he is not guilty because there's only two options to me if you guys have a third let me know The only two things, and and if you think it's one of these two, which one do you think it is? I come up with these two possibilities. One, Bruce Thing is saying not guilty 
because he realizes that Mr. Freeze can't get a fair trial with either him in the room or the way it's already slanted for Batman, like Steph brought up. Or two, Bruce knew he did beat him into a confession. Thoughts? I think that what, I mean, because what they're supposed to say is, you know, if you have a reasonable doubt, don't convict. And I think that after seeing everything he saw and remembering what he did, I think it's fair that Batman or Bruce would have a reasonable thought and doubt and, and wouldn't be able to consciously convict him, even though he's unconsciously on the jury in the first place. Yeah, but I I think I'm I, I'm there too. I, I think a lot of it has to do with the reasonable doubt. I think that the way everything was presented, I think that it, I think honestly I think it's like a combination of the two things you said, Ed. I think it's partially because he believes that he's not going to get a fair trial because of the situation, not just because he's on the jury, but because it's Mister Freeze and Batman took him down. Who's going to go against Batman? Because you know Batman left the note that said he did it. So well, that's what happened and. He confessed because Batman got him to confess. So the thing is, like, there, there's that aspect of it, the, you know, not a fair case. But then there's the other part of it, which is maybe after seeing all of the evidence, he does have some doubts about whether or not he actually did it. And maybe he was just, maybe as Batman, he was just angry and was trying to take his anger out on somebody. And it just happened to be Mr. Freeze. And that in turn led to Mr. Freeze basically saying yes i did it just so that batman would stop beating him and then that's that's how it all worked out because i honestly feel like the twist is going to be that mr freeze is innocent in this 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 situation and it just happens to be that bruce was on the jury and it and it was a good thing because everybody else would have seen it as a you know as him as guilty so i i'm sure that's where it's going it does always have the classic argument of even if Mr. Freeze is innocent of that, but he's guilty of plenty. Mm -hmm. He's going back to Arkham anyway, right? Like, I mean, three more murder counts really aren't going to change much. I mean, he's still going. It's like if the Joker got found not guilty of a murder, isn't he still going back to Arkham? Um, mm -hmm. But I, I, I personally think that this is going to be one where uh, it could be a little bit of both, but I think that Batman maybe did give him a beating of his life considering he did beat up a urinal for no reason. Which... You know, I'm not going to have a whole discussion point about it, but isn't it going to be pretty tough to explain why Bruce Wayne went to the bathroom and they came out and the bathroom was destroyed? Well, let's talk about that. I know you don't want to have it as a discussion point, but, but is, I do want to talk about that for about, a second. I suppose, yeah. So, Bruce Wayne, don't get me wrong, he's a strong guy. Obviously, he's like the epitome of what a physical, you know, the physical specimen could be as a human. I get that. But ripping a urinal off the wall Plumbing is, all. Not an, is not an easy yeah. task. I mean, like, uh, I saw that and I kept thinking to myself, not only is this ridiculous just to explain, but I don't understand why or, or how he could do that. Like, I don't know if they're, like, I don't know. Like, here's the thing. I'm looking at it from the perspective of, I don't know exactly how a urinal is attached to the wall, but I assume it's... Be, you know, it has a lot to do with the plumbing that's attached to the urinal. A toilet is screwed into the ground normally with screws. And I imagine that like somebody coming to a toilet, you know, somebody who's like super strong, you know, like world strongest man competition type strong could come up to a toilet and pull it off. 
the tank would come off easily because it just detaches from the back. Mm-hmm. But like pulling up a, a you know the toilet from the ground as it's screwed on, you have to pull up the screws in order to get that to actually. You're come a bad up. man if you can do that. Yeah, you're a bad yes. man. Yeah. But a urinal isn't like that. It's not like it's screwed into the wall. There's no screws that are exposed. So like, and like I said, I don't know exactly how a urinal is attached to a wall, but I know the plumbing attaches to the top and, you know, to the wall that way. But I know it's not just hanging on the wall either because it's, it's attached in some way. So like, it was, I I don't understand why they did why i mean like it's one thing to show that he's angry like kicking a door like punching the the stall door the mirror like that's something that's very common and makes sense and you know like isn't like a crazy feat of strength that uh they're trying to get across because i guess that's the only thing that they're trying to do here in this situation but i yeah that urinal that urinal scene that that was one of the things was like "Eh, i'm not sure about that well that's a pretty real level of destruction Mm -hmm. right like i mean no one's not going to walk in the bathroom and be like, yo, what just happened? And not just you that. Know, like, and not just that. Here? But if he did rip it off the wall, it would be leaking water yep. everywhere. Yep. So it's not like it would just be, oh, I'm just going to leave the urinal sit here and nobody will notice. Nobody will have any idea what happened. We're good, and right? It's going to be yeah. <laughs> leaking water everywhere until someone turns off the plumbing to the to that pipe. So it's like, oh, man. And I get that he's got money, but how could he possibly even explain something They should like kick that? him off the jury just like, for that alone, if nothing else. Like, I'm Bruce Wayne. I, I ripped a urinal off. Like, oh, man. It does. It, 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 my thing is, I, I think that this is the urinal thing, I think, was intentionally set there by Tom King to set up the next story about Poison Ivy coming to get Bruce for wasting all that water. <laughs> Maybe. Right? Sure. That's Maybe. all the questions I got and for I, this one. But uh, Yeah, and I just want to, like, wrap this up by saying, like, I enjoyed the issue. I did, it's, too. It, but there's... It's one of those things where, like, we I see I feel like we're plagued by this stuff. Like, we see the 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 smaller points that we have negative reactions to, and and it's not always the best thing. But like, this was actually an enjoyable issue. I've seen Twelve Angry Men. If you are a classic film fan, I'm sure you've seen Twelve Angry Men too. It definitely has good some ties to Twelve Angry Men. Some of the actual camera shots from the panel, like the way the panels are presented feel like they are completely doing an homage to 12 Angry Men, which is, I know, after I read the issue, I knew that that's what they were going for because he talked about it at San Diego. But 12 Angry Men was a great movie. Um, it was actually probably one of the first movies I saw when I was in high school that was about, you know, like, you know, a law, law drama type situation where and kind of understanding the legal system and things like that great movie and i felt like i was reading like a batman universe 12 angry men story here which was great intertwined with you know some elements of dick grayson as batman and things like that and let's just say dick grayson as batman is also kind of interesting because it seems oddly timed because he took over batman because bruce is on jury duty i guess but it just goes back to that thing. And I don't want to keep getting on the negative stuff, but I enjoyed the issue and I'm giving it a three and a half out of five. I just want to say like Lee weeks art, freaking amazing. I love his art. Um, the last time we saw his art in the Batman universe was back in Batman Elmer Fudd special last June. So it was, it's been some time, but yeah. Um, great stuff. I'm also going to give it four out of five. I did really enjoy it. I just thought some of the things could have, been tweaked you're gonna laugh but my final verdict on this was i think that this could have been a a four and a half out of five if 
we had had Bruce go into the jury as Matthew Malone <laughs> undercover. <laughs> Right, like it, it would have been. It would have made more sense. It would have. It would have made more sense. Yes, but it would have been funnier to know why exactly the government has Matches Malone on the Matches jury would have list. Be a voter. I mean, yeah. so I just I don't know why, but I was but I don't know when I was reading it. I kept thinking, man, because I, I like the art and I like the idea of Bruce kind of having to come to tackle with this kind of big moment, like "Are you going too far?" type deal, right? So I like the whole setup, but I thought, man, it would really be better if. It was matches Malone because that would even like wouldn't have you would that would erase the whole problem with the DA, right? It'd be like he's just some smuck, and the fact that there was a gangster beating up urinals would be almost normal. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like I just thought it would have been cute. That's all. That's all. Four to five. I liked it. I'll do a three and a half out of five. The urinal. I I hate that we keep coming back to it, but yeah, it really it happened. It <laughs> took me out more than anything else took me out because at that point it's like okay i've suspended my belief let's go sure bruce wayne on a jury wait why is the toilet being thrown what did that toilet do and, to and i understand yeah. and like we said you know i understand why he did it he's angry i like that they're almost dealing with because you know every time batman gets angry he does overdo it and it's just interesting that they're dealing with it so early like immediately after selena leaves him we're dealing with you being too violent. I, I just think that's that's pretty cool that they're doing it so quick. I don't know. I think it's going to be interesting since it's going to be a Bruce sitting and listening and thinking story. It's definitely going to be a type of Batman story we don't get very often. I'm I'm looking forward to that. So three and a half. All right. And over on the site, Ian gave it four. So that's going to give Batman a total of three and a half out of five batterings. Let's move into our next book, Detective Comics. Detective Comics number 985, written by Brian Hill, art by Felipe Barinos. The issue starts off in the Batcave. Alfred states that Bruce has an army of minds and would be a shame if he did not use any of them to uncover Karma's identity. Bruce reminds Alfred that Duke, Cassandra, and Barbara are off this case because Karma is too dangerous. Bruce lifts Karma's knife to his face, staring at the edge and hilt to see if there were any sort of identifying marks on the blade. After seeing him analyze it alfred asks if he recognizes the blade bruce sidesteps the question and states that the people with hyperthemesia have the ability to remember everything from their lives their past experiences seem present alfred responds that he did not know bruce has had this talent bruce gets in one of his luxurious convertibles and responds that he does not have hyperthemesia for him an adrenaline fueled drive will do the job of retrieving memories of the blade speeding away from man the manor bruce thinks to himself that karma knows him by bruce if karma knows him that intimately then he must know of karma he reasons that he is neither a part of the league nor the court since those organizations are very disciplined and karma is a loose cannon in order to recover his memory bruce thinks back to when Roz taught him to treat memories like a museum each memory has its own specific place. He mentions that his personal view of memory is different. One goes through all the memories until you find just the right one. He remembers that in Markovia years ago, he stopped an arms trafficker who was applying weapons to those suppressing Markovian's freedoms. This man attempts to attack Batman with the knife, the one he's investigating, but Batman easily blocks his attack and counters by throwing him on the ground. While walking away... Bruce releases a localized version of Scarecrow's fear toxin and states that he is karma. Bruce stops the car and realizes that he created this maniac like how he created all the other maniacs. The next morning at Bruce's penthouse in some luxury skyscraper, Jefferson asks Duke, Cassandra, and Barbara where the outlet is. 
because he's trying to plug in the coffee maker and he wants to make coffee. The group ignores his question and responds that they do not need him to be their babysitter. Jefferson asks again where he can plug in the coffee maker. And again, the group states that they should be out in the field helping Bruce rather than being babysat. Jefferson shares that they have been playing catch up the entire time and a boy has died. Jefferson breaks down the situation. Karma beat Cassandra at hand-to-hand combat, one of the best martial artists in the entire DC universe. He gave Duke near-fatal injuries, and if Cassandra got beat, what else could Barbara do? After the speech, he used his powers to turn on the coffee machine because, you know, he has that ability. The gang goes on to share that although Bruce did indeed tell them the team is off the case, he really wants them to help him. Jefferson realizes that they are not planning to sit idly by and tells them to teach me about what you all can do. Across town, a bus full of children stops at a red light. Suddenly, if it crashes into a car when the light turns green because Karma shot the driver in the head. Karma tells the kids that they need to be quiet and then drives them away. At the downtown GNN headquarters, which would be like CNN, the news anchor from the first issue of this arc is kidnapped on set while she's preparing for the evening news. Carmen uses uses the anchor to explain his personal manifesto on a live broadcast. She says that Batman has 24 hours to save them all. She says that all Batman has to do is remove his partners from the crime-fighting crusade. At the end of the speech, Karma throws a lighter at her feet, burning her alive on live television. Disgusted, Bruce tells himself that he should have anticipated Karma's next move. He has been too distracted and too comfortable, which has caused him to not be to the level he once was. Alright, so, first thing I want to talk about is kind of the ending in the situation with the GNN headquarters. So, there's a very reminiscent of The Dark Knight, which also happens to... this is July also happens to be the 10th anniversary of The Dark Knight, which came out in 2008. And if you remember in The Dark Knight, there was a scene where the Joker takes the news anchor and ties him up and tells him to read off uh, you know, his demands. And then he says all that Batman has to do is take off his mask and reveal himself to everybody. And then the horrible stuff will stop happening. This was very reminiscent because basically a news anchor is doing something very similar, only it's not the Joker, it's Karma. Um, this kind of shows that Karma, at least the way it's been shown, is not somebody that we thought it could be and not somebody that intimately knows Bruce. It's kind of debunked in some way last uh, last issue where we saw um, Karma have the mind-reading helmet, which explains why Karma can say Bruce and knows how everything works. So I wanted to say, did you guys feel like it was a callback to The Dark Knight in some way? I, I, I'm i sure it was. I, I'm sure. But it's not like it's, I don't feel like it's stealing it because it's not really. And obviously it goes much more severe by him burning the news anchor alive because that didn't happen in The in the Dark Knight. But did you guys catch the callback or did you just pass by? Pass me by. To be honest with you, every time I see a news reporter, all I can think about is The Dark Knight Returns. Because it's so, like, news reporter heavy. Like, with all the scenes of reporting all that. So every time I see it, I just think it's a call back to Dark Knight Returns. But your your call is better. It went over my head. I wasn't... I forget about the movies most of the time. I probably have just been thinking about the movie a lot more just because the entire month all I keep seeing is articles about, like, retrospectives and stuff like that. The other thing is... so the So the idea of... Black Lightning being around to basically harness the abilities of Batgirl, Duke, and Cassandra, the the idea that they might actually be right and he's wrong 
kind of shows that he has some stuff to learn from them just as much as they have to learn from him. And I, th I thought that was kind of interesting. But the fact that he decides to say, you know, teach me what you can all do instead of diving into that in the first place doesn't really seem like, I mean, they all have skills to a degree. I mean, like, obviously, they all have certain skills that are, that are different. And Duke probably has the least amount of skills, in my opinion. But they all still have some sort of skills. And the fact that he didn't, like, dive into what they all can do in the first place. But has no problem pointing out that Karma was able to defeat um, Cassandra, even though... Well, I guess none of them have realized that what the hell, what what his helmet is doing and allowing them to read their minds. But you would think that that would be something that would come up. But anyway, the the thing I wanted to talk about is so obviously this is gearing up towards potentially Jefferson leading the three of them to take down Karma because Bruce seems to be think that he's going to have to do this all on his own. Feels like next issue we're going to get into a situation where he's going to be in 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 a bad spot because he thinks he has to do this all alone. And then the final issue is going to be him receiving help from other people calling back to the fact that the bat family actually matters and he doesn't need to be all alone. And he actually does need help occasionally. Do you guys think that's the way it's going or do you have a different idea of where, which way it'll go? I think you're probably right. It does sound very lonely place of dying with a, with a bigger cast, doesn't it? I do think that you could see... I think that you're going to see The Outsiders coming out of this read by Jefferson, I would assume. So I guess my only change in the kind of way you broke it down was I could see that he, at the end, thinks he needs the help of others and they think that they want to be away from him. Like, Wouldn't that be like the classic way the story goes? Once he's accepted that he wants them in his life and that he actually is made stronger, they decide that they want to leave and do their own thing, which is, I assume where The Outsiders team could come from. Unless it turns into... Detective Comics and the Outsiders. Hey. And then they would stick around. That's a possibility. Well, the only, you know, I mean, I could see that, but the only problem is the creators are lined up on on it. Although I will say that Brian Hill's other series that he's writing right now, which is The Wildstorm, I hmm? believe it's Michael Cray. Michael Cray is the other series he's doing for DC. And that series is actually wrapping up in October, leaving a giant wide open possibility for him to be doing an Outsider series come November. I mean, we'll obviously know about that shortly if that is the case. And it would play in perfectly with what's going on in Detective Comics. But obviously there's some time in between there. The last thing I want to talk about is the situation with Karma. The fact that Bruce remembers that he came across this person before. It's not anybody that we knew. But it's just somebody that Bruce had dealt with as Batman. And to me, I think it's interesting that we're getting to this idea that Bruce creates these maniacs. I mean, that's basically what we're doing here. This idea that, you know, there's always this theory out there that if Batman didn't exist, all the other villains that are in Gotham City that inhabit Gotham City and terrorize Gotham City wouldn't be there either because Batman is the one who brought the crazies. It's been explored in multiple stories, but in this one, it seems like he really did directly mm -hmm. create this character because... I don't, I, I mean, like, let's just be honest here. You know, beating somebody up is one thing, but like dosing yeah. them with fear toxin seems a little extreme. Yeah. I mean, there's always the more philosophical argument of, you know, did Bruce being Batman taking it to a eight make all the villains take it to a 10? But this is a far more direct argument, which is no, dude, we're not talking about the philosophical impact of a guy dressing as a bat beating people up. You literally made this mm -hmm. guy. You know what I'm saying? Like, 
this is this is a, a callback to the Killing Joke style stuff where, no, you literally dropped the Joker in a bad mm-hmm. bat. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, I feel like he is. At, I mean, I don't know if responsible is the right word for it, but he definitely bears some culpability in this guy's lunatic behavior. Mm-hmm. Especially if he kind of knew what he did to the guy, it could have the possible effects that it did. Kind of irresponsible he didn't do something about it before the guy showed up killing people. That When I read that, I was like, did I really just read that? Did I read that? Yeah. <laughs> that really just happened? Was that, a, was that a dream or something? I don't know. But yeah, it seemed really strange for him to do that. And it will, for him to do that and it be the way it was presented, this guy didn't seem like he really deserved that. Like, I could maybe see it if this guy had, like, really messed with him and was, like, an evil mastermind and this had been a crazy long time in Batman's life, but it really just seems like, what was he, a gun runner, a drug runner, whatever? And then he dosed him. And it doesn't seem like the punishment fit the crime in any way. And then he just walks away. I'm good. See ya. Yeah. Yeah. You don't have to go to prison. You're just going to get doused by scarecrow toxin. Yeah. So I thought it was very outside of the realm. I mean, it feels like one of those situations that we're kind of seeing over in Batman where he's just really angry and he's beating mm-hmm. the pulp out of somebody for no reason. But instead of beating the pulp out of somebody, he's just saying, you know what? I don't have t- the time to deal with you. So here, here's some fear toxin. Why Batman's carrying fear toxin around with him? I, I don't know that either. That that doesn't make any sense because it doesn't seem like something that would come in handy all that often for him. I was also confused why... Well, you never know. You like, because that first, his first, like, thought, whatever, leading up to that flashback is, well, he called me Bruce, so I must know him. And then it's just some guy who doesn't know him. I thought that was weird, too. I thought that was weird, too. Like, because the whole, the whole argument is, this must be someone I know, and it turns into... Some guy I tangentially tied down and gave fear toxin to. All right. So overall, art was great. I'm going to give this, uh, and I'm enjoying this story. I, I honestly am. Like, I feel like we're, it's an interesting story. There's enough talking points to like really get me interested. I'm going to give it four out of five. I'm going to come down from where I was. I'm going to go to three out of five. It's very enjoyable. And I really love the scenes with Jefferson as opposed to the Batman stuff in this issue. I had problems with it, but now I don't. I didn't write them down. So, <laughs> but I, I'm I'm struggling between a two point five and a three. So I'll probably go with the three because the art was really good and I am interested in the story. I just really was thrown off by the the guy's literally a nobody. Batman did some really messed up stuff. Shady, shady, yeah. shady stuff. Um, thought it was pretty violent. I mean, that poor <laughs> that poor journalist got flamed up on TV. That's a bad that way is, to go. That was pretty sad. Yeah. And this whole, oh, right. And the other thing was, so, you know, the guy gets on TV and says, hey, if Batman had been doing his job, these kids wouldn't have been kidnapped. And then the conclusion is Batman is stronger without helpers. It's like, well, one human being can't be saving everyone 24-7. It's the opposite conclusion should be he needs more bat friends, <laughs> especially more daytime bat yeah. friends like Duke. I don't know. Well, and and why is this guy like... So hard up to quote unquote help Batman. Yeah. Like, like why? he's literally nobody. Unless it turns out, you know, we'll get more on this guy. Right now it just seems like he's he's no one. I think the villains are messed up. I really there do. There is a character out there that Nobody. There well the the thing is there are some characters that were previously Batman allies. Like there was Orpheus and Azrael. Azrael, like Michael Lane Azrael, like say Michael Lane Azrael, yeah. But the thing is, like, those characters, I can't, 
I don't see them like being brought back in in this way. And obviously, if it's not just a nobody like the way we're being shown, maybe it's somebody. Maybe it is like a maybe what we just saw was kind of red like herring. a red herring. And what we're actually what actually happened is like somebody witnessed Batman doing that, and they are the ones who actually are doing it. And it's like a way to like punish Batman for him going off the deep end. But I still, but maybe it's because he, I don't know, it's because the way it's being explained mm. from the perspective of Batman, like maybe Batman was super angry because of the Jason Todd situation. And that's why this happened. And the person who's seeing this knew that Robin died, knew that Batman was going off the deep end because Robin died. And that's why he's trying to stop, you know, Batman from having these other allies. I, I, I I'm having a hard time understanding how this is all going to connect, but yeah. Or there's a big bad pulling the strings behind Karma. Yeah, and that would be that, that would be the other. That would make more thing. sense. So yeah. three point. I guess I'll give it a three now. And if that guy stays a bad guy, retroactively two point five. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. And over on the site, Tony gave it four out of five. So that's going to give Detective Comics a total of three and a half out of five batterings. Let's jump over to the site for Greater Gotham. <laughs> Starting off on July 18th, we have main TBU books, Batman number 51, we already talked about, Batwoman number 17, Batwoman returns to Gotham City and reunites with Renee Montoya while investigating a clock-themed robot drug dealers. This was reviewed by Paul. He gave it four out of five. I'm going to give this one a thumbs up. Thumbs up. Neutral. Harley Quinn, number 46. Harley starts to buckle against the rules of granny goodness as the once infinite offerings of Apocalypse start to lose their appeal. This is by David. He gave it four and a half out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. Forgot to read it. Thumbs up. Secondary TBU books. Batman Sins of the Father, number six, in order to save Alfred from a group of hostages from Deathstroke. Batman must make a choice to go against one of his most important rules. This is by Dan. He gave it two and a half out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. Neutral. Upstain. Archie meets Batman 66, number one. A group of Batman's most fiendish foes decide to leave Gotham and take over a new town, which happens to be Riverdale. This is by Dan. He got four out of five. I'm going to give this one a thumbs up. Abstain. Neutral. Main DC Universe books, Justice League number four, The Legion of Dune, make their move as, the t- as this time they mean business. This is by Corbin. He gave it four out of five. I'm going to give this one a uh, neutral. Thumbs up. Get with the program. Neutral. Ah. Uh. <laughs> I'm looking forward to issue five because I, I, I know that the Legion of Doom is going to be the main focus. How good is that going to be? Come on, Legion of Doom. I just, I'm not liking the Ultraviolet Core stuff. That's the stuff that's taking me out of it. Yeah, but you have to realize it was a super cool way to make Sinestro, to recontinuity Sinestro's original costume. Sure. The Brave and the Bold, Batman and Wonder Woman, number six. Diana and Bruce are the last line of defense in Tiernod Nog and Gotham. This is by Tony. He gave it four and a half out of five. I'm going to give this one a thumbs up. Thumbs up. Art's fantastic. Neutral. I struggled through this. There were so many weird names in that weird font. Like, I never knew if I was reading a word I knew or if it was a new word. That is my... Yeah, it's 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 because it's it's all Celtic lore. Yeah, I know. And But I just... So, I I struggled enjoying it because it was so hard to read, but you're right. The art is, is amazing in that book. The art is great, but that font does suck. I mean, full disclosure, <laughs> that 
Remember when they used to do cursive in comics back in the nineties? Oh, yeah. This is like oh, yeah. that. Like it's like the entry points, like in a diary. Yeah, just please don't do cursive. <laughs> just do letters so we can read it. You know. All right, secondary DC Universe books, Injustice vs. Master of the Universe number one, the Injustice versions of Batman and Harley Quinn appear in the series. Jumping over to July 25th, main TV books, we already talked about Detective Comics number 95, Batman Beyond number 22, the new Robin comes to Batman's aid, a reformed villain asks for help as a mysterious mastermind is revealed. This is by Adil, he gave it two and a half out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. Neutral. Thumbs up. Secondary TBU books, Mother Panic, Gotham AD, number five. She can run from it all she wants and keeps trying to fill in the blanks with familiar faces. But the truth remains, Violet doesn't belong in this reality, and unless she finds a purpose here, she's going to fade right out of existence. This is by Bob. He gave it two and a half out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. Neutral. Thumbs up. Main DC Universe books, Teen Titans number 20. The new Teen Titans go through their first mission together and find signs of a potentially bigger threat to come. This is by Adele. He gave it two and a half out of five. I'm going to give this one a eh, neutral. Thumbs down. Thumbs up. I feel like the odd man out here. <laughs> My standards. We all like something different. And if you and if you have been following along with Teen Titans, or if you haven't been following along, and you remember us talking about it last month, there was a cliffhanger which was that did damien shoot black mask in the head and the answer was no for anybody who thought he might have he's instead he's decided to keep villains in his own little prison (laughs) underneath his base so there's that i think that's why i liked it it was so messed up i was like i want to know what is going on so bad it does seem like an odd choice in some ways it's not really any worse than like you know Arrow, Flash, or I was gonna say Flash, where they keep them in the pipeline for all this time, and it's like it's not even a cell. There's not even a bathroom. The logistics of this doesn't make well, any sense. Dude, but. the CW loves that Arrow's got his own little island prison. Like, yes, had had his own island. Had prison, his own yes, but those were at least prison. those were actually cells, though. So, like, that at least but made still, sense. Still, you're on a deserted island with like what do you got? Like an automated thing spitting out like uh, rice cakes and water. Like, yeah. It's not good. You can't run a prison. You're a superhero. Stop. All right. Just League Dark, number one. Zatanna, Wonder Woman, Detective Chimp, Man Bat, and Swamp Thing face horrors from the magical realms as a darker threat looms. This is by Ian. He gave it three out of five. I'm going to give this one a thumbs up. Gee, Detective Chimp story, and and you gave it a thumbs up. Didn't see that coming. I will also give it a thumbs up, uh, not for Detective Chimp, but for It was the because the Detective Chimp was drinking at a bar with Wonder Woman. Just admit it. <laughs> That was cool. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big Zatanna fan. Always have been. Upstain. I didn't have time to read it. I'll read it later. Doomsday Clock, number six. Reversing their position from captured by to friends of the Joker, my marionette, enter the wild world of DC's rogues as her past plays parallel to her current events. This is Rubad Jessica. She gave it four out of five. I'm going to give this one a thumbs up. Thumbs up. Riddler in a 1960s Batman costume in current continuity. That literally just happened. Thumbs up. DC Beach Blanket Bad Guys Summer Special Number 1. The villains of the DC Universe take over in this collection of 10 summer-themed short stories. So by Paul, he gave it 3.5 out of 5. I'm going to give this one a thumbs up. Thumbs up. That was so much fun. It was. It, the anthologies ha- are basically like hit or miss, I, I really feel. Yeah. But like there's there was a lot of really decent stories in this one. All right, secondary DC Universe books, Action Comics number 1001, Bootface, Hugo Strange, Humpty Dumpty, Mr. Freeze, and Smush all appear in the issue as Superman tries to figure out a bald man's identity. Aquaman number 38 in a flashback referencing Dark Knight's Metal. Batman appears alongside the Justice League. The Flash number 51, Dick Grayson's Robin appears in a flashback with the Teen Titans. 
and Batman appears in the present, which if you read the Flash 51, Batman appearing in the present, there was some weird artistic choices that they did with Batman's cowl in that one. The Hellblazer number 24, Huntress, appears in the issue as well as her father in a ghost form. The Silencer number 7, Tyle Ghoul, appears in a dream sequence while Leviathan in a dream sequence while Leviathan continued to plays a large major role in the series. And then finally, TBU Trades and Hardcovers. We have Batgirl and the Birds of Prey, Volume 3, Full Circle Trade Paperback. Batman and Robin Adventures, Volume 3, Trade Paperback. Titans, The Lazarus Contract, tra Trade Paperback. Suicide Squad, Volume 6, The Secret History of Task Force X, Trade Paperback. Batman, Volume 6, Bride or Burglar, Trade Paperback. The New Teen Titans, Omnibus, Volume 3, New Edition Hardcover. Trinity, Volume 3, Dark Destiny, Trade Paperback. The DC Universe by Mike Mignola, Trade Paperback. That is everything from the past two weeks. If we gave it a thumbs up, thumbs down, or a neutral, all of those comics have full reviews over on the website for you guys to check out. So be sure to do that. So before we dive into listener Q&As, uh, take a quick minute to talk about our Patreon. If you have supported us on Patreon, thank you. Real quick, we want to say thank you to a, a couple of our, our, our supporters. Captain DC, Robert Lewis, Ian Miller, Donald Townsend, Real No Deuces, and Anthony. Thank you very much for supporting us at the $10 and up tiers. Uh, we, we greatly appreciate that. If you have not supported us on Patreon and you are looking for a reason to, over the past couple of weeks, we have posted a couple of new exclusive content episodes that you will get if you support us just supporting us at a three dollar level you'll be receiving two episodes of tbu raw which is me and ed randomly talking about a hot topic over the past two weeks i've released an episode which we talk about basically trailer reactions to titans aquaman and shazam so that's available and then the tbu extra for the month was catwoman number one earlier in the month and the second one that we did was deathstroke number 33 which we talked about earlier and then obviously the other tbu raw was dc spoiling batman number 50 so if you are interested in all that extra content it's there you get tbu raw at the three dollar level at the ten dollar level you get the episodes of tbu extra at the $20 level, you get the unedited raw versions of the comic cast six days earlier. And then there's other there's a higher tier as well. So, But there's also all kinds of other stuff that you get too. So definitely check out Patreon if you haven't. There's merch that you earn by supporting us. There's entries into a sweepstakes as well as the actual reveal of what the sweepstakes items are. All kinds of stuff. So be sure to check it out if you haven't. And then obviously if you are unable to support us on Patreon but still would like to support TBU in some way... We're always looking for people to review comics, you know, graphic design, website design, all kinds of different things, audio editing, video editing, any of those talents that you have that you might want to share with us to help support TBU. Just shoot me an email at tbu at thebatmanuniverse.net. So with that being said, we're going to jump straight into our listener Q&As. <laughs> I noticed that there was two comments from the last episode, but just before we started recording, there was actually a new comment posted on episode 252, which relates to something that we talked about before from a listener. So the first comment is actually coming from 252, but it was just posted in the past week. So this 
comment is coming from Kalinsky. And if you remember, Kalinsky was the one who, a couple episodes, I believe it was in 251, he left a comment, he or she, I'm sorry, I don't actually know if it's a he or she, I'm just assuming it's a he, but that's probably a bad assumption, because I don't know. Um, that being said, um, two episodes ago, they left a comment about how they were not liking the fact that we were leaving negative, we were just talking about the negative elements of the comic books. So, they followed up our discussion about that by saying... Just finished listening to this one, and I really appreciate that you took my critique seriously. That's something not a lot of people do on the internet. And as I said, I wouldn't listen to this podcast if I didn't want your opinion, so it's cool. I don't want fake opinions just to please listeners slash fans or me. And I want honest opinions, and if you don't, didn't like it, you didn't like it. And if you're right, if you liked everything, the discussion could be quite short, yet it doesn't hurt to mention it anyway. About 100k sales, yeah, you might be right, but I think the only way fans can change something is through their wallet. If you don't want what they produce, don't buy it. That's the only way to show a company that their product isn't what a customer wants. If people keep buying it, why should anything change? Complain about Tom King or anyone else or anyone or any series as much as you want. The sales are just fine. Just recently, I read that DC isn't happy about the sales numbers of Bendis and Superman. They are not bad, but not great either. That's the only way to change anything in this or any other business. Series get canceled because of low sales and not because DC doesn't like it anymore. And about number 50, oh well, I am just disappointed and as weird as it sounds, I'm already looking forward to episode 253, usually listening to it on my way to work, so it takes a while sometimes, because I'm 100% sure that I will share your opinion on this. I still think Tom King is very invested in this comic, but that interview I read by DiDio and Lee was everything but reassuring. It seems like the writers are ready to develop characters like Batman to something new, but DC doesn't want to let it happen. Anyway, thanks for considering my comic. So, no problem. Obviously, we appreciate all of our listener comments and we I'm glad that you understood where we were coming from with our response and that you appreciated it because quite honestly, we appreciate our listeners. We appreciate especially the listeners who take the time to leave us a comment because that's your time and your time is yours. It's not ours. So you giving us your time by leaving a comment, it's uh, greatly appreciated. You'll obviously get to 253. And when you listen to 253, we did, we did obviously agree with you. Uh, Ed was extremely, I was angry, extremely <laughs> upset. So I know you're, you're a couple episodes behind, but eventually when you get to this one, you'll hear this comment being read and you'll hear our comments. But yes, uh, it does definitely in some ways feel like the writers want to move some of the characters forward and DC as a company wants them to stay in that like evergreen phase where they just never change. And it is disappointing because we as fans want to see our characters grow. Characters are are only as interesting as much as the growth that they can endure. And that's the thing that I think that DC doesn't always recognize with some of the big name characters. They have no problem changing, you know, some of the le- not, not as popular characters. I wouldn't say they're lesser known, but not as popular characters. They have no, tr- no problem. Like letting them adapt having changes, having things happen, but it just feels like, especially within the last 10, maybe 15 years, but definitely the last 10 years, it definitely feels like there's a path they needed to go that way. And if it does deviate from the path that they want it to be, there's got to be a set way of getting that character back to that path very, very shortly after. I mean, just look at 
R.I.P. Final Crisis and everything that happened with Batman, it did deviate, but it somehow got right back to everything they needed to. And then, of course, after that, you know, we get New 52, which got everything right back to where they wanted it. So, yeah, see, I don't like that. Like, it's cool to let characters change. It is like, especially if it happens. I hate to use this word organically, you know, like if it's especially if he took me 50 stories to let him get married. That's fine. I, I think another great point that he makes, he or she makes, I should say, is that voting with your cash is the only way to make any company know what you're doing. If I have stores that I don't like, I don't buy things there. And the same with comic books. I also find myself supporting comic books that come out for certain reasons that are far otherwise from story. Like, um, I like Catwoman, but if I didn't, I would buy it just because Jell Jones is on it, and I think she deserved her own shot after the work she did in Batman, so I would support her by buying that comic. So I think as much as we need to remember that don't support the things we vehemently don't like, um, also don't forget to support the things that we're really, really behind, Mm -hmm. too. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. All right, so the next comment comes from the last episode, and it comes from Captain DC, who also happens to be a Patreon supporter, so thank you for that. So they had this to say. Fun and private wedding ceremony involving Alfred, Leslie Tompkins, Superman, Lois, Wonder Woman, Holly, Ivy, Harley, and the entire Bat family was what so clearly should have happened in Batman number 50. Then towards the end, Bane's plan to get revenge on Batman could have been teased. The tragic origin that Bill Finger gave Batman was meant to show where his intense mindset and motivation came from. But there's been a lot of writers that use that origin as an excuse to make Batman a mostly one-dimensional tragic hero slash martyr. But a well-rounded Bruce Wayne that pursues love and happiness balances out the character and makes him much more compelling and relatable. He's got to try to be decent, a decent father and leader to the Bat family. He doesn't have time to wallow in misery. As for Catwoman, Tom King used her as a way to give Batman emotional conflict. Her having to self-sacrifice by stupidly taking the blame for Holly Robinson's killing spree and believing that having misery and pain is the only way Batman can be effective. Regardless of whether or not Dan DiDio also allows her to eventually marry Batman, I'm really hoping that Joelle Jones will enhance what Paul Levitz, Len Wayne, and Ed Brubaker did with Selina and have her finally reach her potential as a character. So... I don't have a lot to say about the wedding because I, I feel like we beat, beat that horse and I'm sure we'll beat it again at some other point. But the Catwoman stuff is interesting because I I definitely agree with hopefully whatever happens with Catwoman as a series going forward is something that advances the character and isn't just like a holding place for the character until she pops back up in Batman. And I don't feel like it will be that. Obviously, from the first issue alone, I don't see that happening because it definitely feels like... Uh, Joel Jones is literally trying to make Catwoman go, ha- you know, create her own path um, instead of having to be attached to Bruce Wayne. And as much as I'd like it to be attached to Bruce Wayne and Batman, I have no problem having a story that is quality and having Catwoman have her own series. I enjoyed Gwendolyn Valentine's uh, Catwoman story that was in the Catwoman series from the new 52 i didn't like what was happening prior to guinevere valentine's story but the thing is like i feel like there's a lot of really good Catwoman stories out there that have occurred in her own series and i hope that that is the direction and i hope that whatever they're doing you know whatever joel jones has planned for the character she has a clear process that isn't necessarily going to be affected by whatever's happening in batman i mean as much and i say that with someone as someone who wants the character to be involved with batman but 
I say that also with the idea that I know that the character can be a super successful character by itself without having to be directly attached to Batman. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see how much, and I'm dreaming, I know this won't happen, but have Selina's character develop in her own book and then come back changed in Batman, but that would involve Joel Jones and Tom King talking about the character <laughs> and where the story is going. Maybe we need to set them up on a, on a, on a go-to-meeting or something. That's a good idea. Okay, and our final comment comes from Real No Deuces, also a Patreon supporter, so thank you. And his comment came from Twitter. Love the monkey watch. Some wise-ass suggestions the host talked about themselves more in a survey years ago. That's right, and I, I distinctly remember that survey. Some of you who have been around for a long period of time know that I've had surveys on the site to get a better understanding of what you guys would like and what you would not like, or what you'd like us to get rid of, I guess. This is a better way of putting it. And this was a suggestion, and I took the suggestion and you know read it, and I'll be honest, I, I thought to myself, well, that doesn't fit within the structure of what I what we need to accomplish, but I have grown and I have learned that our... (laughs) Gotta learn this guy's a lot about structure. Yes, yes. It's all about structure with me. I have learned over the years that the best way to, you know, embrace the fans is to really have the fans understand who we are as individuals, not just a comic book reviewer or just as a podcast host or just as someone who talks about Batman. So that all being said, hey, guess what? It's that time of the show where we got some monkey watch. So we have some time, and this time around, we're going to talk about something a little bit different. So the suggestion that Ed gave when we were trying to figure out what to talk about was, let's talk about something that we like. I was like, well, that's a little broad topic, and honestly, we've got potentially tons of episodes going forward that we could potentially be doing Monkey Watch. And as long as we get to a point where we have the time to do it, we're going to do it. So I I decided to narrow it down. And so this time around, we're going to talk about our favorite film franchises. Um, Obviously, it could be DC related. It could be Batman related. But we're going to talk about some of our favorite film franchises. So just so that we don't step on top of each other and repeat things, I'm going to let Steph go first. Let her say a couple of her favorite franchises. And then if we, if Ed or I either one of us actually enjoy one of those franchises too. We can chime in and talk about it briefly, but I don't want to talk about, you know, the Harry Potter films three separate times. Well, I I have, I have more than a a couple, but since you allowed DC stuff, uh, the DC animated universe, I think there's maybe one or two of the animated movies that I didn't like so far. And I've made quite a few. So I've really enjoyed those. The MCU I don't read Marvel comics, but I do like the movies. It's been pretty fun. Star Wars, obviously. Maybe not obviously, but (laughs) Harry Potter movies. But that's mostly because I really love the books. The movies kind of suck, but that doesn't stop me from collecting them all and having them all on Blu-ray. Lord of the Rings, Back to the Future, Indiana Jones, anything that Studio Ghibli puts out, which I guess isn't really a franchise, but... Uh, It is, because it's... I I think it is, right? You could consider Pixar movies a franchise. I mean, they're not all the same story unless you believe the Pixar detective theory, but I do. I, I'm not going to, I don't want to get into that. That's a rabbit hole. That's but yeah, I mean like I, I would, I would agree with that only because, and, and I'm familiar with studio Ghibli because my wife loves those movies. And we, every time, every time uh, they come out with a newer edition, we have to buy it. So yep. Hunger games because I'm still a girl. 
Oh, the Red Curtain trilogy. Those are the Baz Luhrmann movies, Strictly Ballroom, Romeo and Juliet, and Moulin Rouge. Those are oodles of fun. Mission Impossible. I'm dying because I haven't seen that last one yet. Die Hard. And then the Cornetto trilogy, which is the Edgar Wright movies with Simon Pegg and Nick Frost. So Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, and The World's End. So that's 13. 13 franchises that I love. So I'm all over the oh, Simon yeah. Pegg one. I love those movies. They They're are. fantastic. It's funny, I always thought Hot Fuzz was my least favorite until I rewatched them recently, and now I think it's my favorite. Same for me. It was my least favorite, and now it's my favorite. Yeah, like, when I, when I, I remember when I first, this is talking about in the Wayback Machine, when Hot Fuzz came out in the movie theater, Ed went and saw it with his wife, and Ed had had way too much to drink because it was date night. So Ed, Ed fell asleep halfway through Hot Fuzz the first time. So for years, instead of admitting to my wife that I had, in fact, had too many cocktails before we went to the there, I said, the movie sucked, <laughs> right? <laughs> so then Ed rewatched it and went, actually, this is really good. So I, I, did, I did have too much drink that night. <laughs> so, yeah, it's funny that I bring that up. The only one she brings up is Star Wars, as I will occasionally slip in Star Wars references, and me and Stella were known to throw even some deep dive Rebels references on here. I am a, like... If it's DC Comics and Star Wars are one and one A for me, my home office is decorated DC Comics stuff, and my office at work is is my actual office at work is decorated in Star Wars stuff. Yay. If you can believe it, which means I every time we seem like we have a new hire and they're in my office and they look around, I'm like, yeah, you better take it seriously. <laughs> like, don't let the don't let the Star Wars posters fool you. You know. Um, so, Star Wars and DC Comics are my one and one A. I really like the Star Trek movies that Abrams slash whoever did the last one did. I'm a big Star Trek fan, so I really did like the new movies. I know a lot of people didn't, but I thought they were fun, and I thought that they had the golden rule, which is they didn't take themselves oh, too yeah. seriously. I like the Harry Potter movies. My wife is much more of a Harry Potter fan than I am. I did not love the first Fantastic Beast movie, to be 100% honest, 100% honest with you. It was okay. I just, I'm looking forward to the second one a lot more, because it seems to be... Interesting. Oh, God, that's going to be really bad. <laughs> uh, I, I do like the DC anime movies. I like the DCU, though. Like, I, I actually like the DC movies. People have known that I've been a defender of Batman versus Superman on the specials that we did. I think the movie is, is tragically underrated. Uh, I loved Wonder Woman. And I like I like almost all of the DC movies. I like Suicide Squad. I mean, I'm a DC fan, fanboy. There's no doubt about it. So, I mean, you, you got me in my wheelhouse there. Um, independent science fiction movies. I like anything that is different. I'll probably go watch it. Like I liked Arrival that came out. I guess not really a franchise. Mm -hmm. And I'm a big James Bond guy. I do like Bond. James Bond, yes. I got to admit, gonna be, that was, that was gonna ring I'm on. Bond. Like I love Bond movies. I go see James Bond movies on opening nights like I would with Justice League or anything else. Marvel? Marvel and I have a complicated relationship. <laughs> I like the Avengers universe. And I go see the big ones in theaters, like I saw Infinity War in the theater. But like Thor Ragnarok or Black Panther, which I did go see in theater, but I really like Black Panther. But like Ant-Man and the Wasp, I didn't see in the theater. I didn't see Ragnarok in the theater. I didn't see Spider-Man Homecoming in the theater. I'll eventually watch them, but they're just not... I like them, but they're just not like the big thing for me. For me, it's it's Star Wars movies and DC movies. And, and honestly, I, Bond might be third. All kidding aside, Dustin, it might be DC, Star Wars, Bond. Like those are the movies that I will go see when they come out. Does that mean you know what I'm saying? Like oh, yeah. those are my I movies that I will go see when they come out. I do. I missed. I haven't seen the new Mission Impossible either, which I want to because I've always mm -hmm. liked those two. But to me, they always seem like the slightly dumber American version of James Bond. Oh, truly, truly. <laughs> so, that's me. 
Okay, so um, yes, James Bond with me. James Bond was outside of... So obviously I love DC films, the original Batman movies, the Dark Knight trilogy. Oh, sure. that, that's a given. Like, who I doesn't mean, like, like that? Those are, yeah, right. Those are givens, no, no question asked. You know, as much as there's been problems with the DC, the current DC film slate of stuff that's been happening, I still will go see them, you know, the day that they come out, you know, the first showing that they have, buy tickets for opening night. It doesn't, it, it always happens. It, it That's not something I'm never going to not do. Following the DC stuff, which is probably my top franchise, franchise just because of the way I treat going, going to those films, uh, would be James Bond. I was a huge James Bond nerd when I was in high school. Um, so much so that I didn't have cable, but they used to have a marathon. I think it was on TNT or TBS, one of the two. Of like all the classic James Bond movies up until like GoldenEye or something. And this girl who I guess had a crush on me. I didn't realize it at the time. But she had a crush on me. And I was telling her that I liked James Bond. She actually videotaped all the James Bonds that were on t TV. Because they had a marathon and gave it to me. And I still was an idiot <laughs> and didn't realize she had a crush on me. Um, which I feel bad about. Because like Son, she was telegraphing was, that. <laughs> yeah. I, but I mean, like looking back, and I was, I uh, just, uh, I was an idiot in high school and didn't really realize. Hey, weren't we all? I, it was like, you know, girls were like a completely different language for me. But anyway, James Bond, like by far, like same thing. When the, those movies come out, it's like opening weekend. I don't care what's going on. I will, you know, let's put, let me put it in perspective. So I go on, I go to the movies right now about three, four times a year. And I used to go to the movies before I had children. I used to go to the movies like three times a month. So it's a very big difference because I've got kids and my kids prevent me from going out. Mostly because I don't have like a set babysitter. I guess if I did, I would probably utilize that more often and go to the movies. But I just don't. So, And honestly, if it's a movie that I really want to see, I will make a point to make sure it happens. Um, the Harry Potter films are another franchise that we always will see in theaters. Star Wars, it's kind of like off and on because mm. I've seen basically everything that's released since I was born. So we're not talking about the original trilogy because I'm not I'm not that old yet. But well, I'll never be that old, I guess, if, when I look at that's it like, from that that's perspective. Not, that's not how growing old works, <laughs> yeah. by the way. Yes. Yeah. Yes. But I, I wasn't around for the original trilogy, so I not that one. But like I saw all three movies from the prequel trilogy i've seen all of the movies from the new will be trilogy the only one i haven't seen in theaters was solo and that's the that's it's literally the only really one that we good. didn't see in theaters everything else we saw in theaters um since they've been making star wars movies since i was born so like we'll see those but again it's not something that like if i didn't get to see it i'm not going to get super upset um, but the fan, the Harry Potter stuff, we always saw those in theaters. We're still we ha already have plans to see Fantastic Beasts, the second one this November, just like Aquaman. Some of the other ones outside of it, and, and same thing. Like I said, James Bond will be the exact same way. I do really enjoy the Jurassic Park movies, but I find so many so many holes that I like poking in. That's probably why I like more like them more than anything else. I really enjoy them. I really do, and I feel like they. Like the idea of Jurassic Park is probably more intriguing to me than the, the what they actually give us as a movie. That's probably why I like it. Um, we used to see all the Fast and the Furious movies again. I feel like that franchise is kind of like dying Jump out. The shark. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the other one that I really really like 
is the plant the plan of the apes shock um, shock no way yes yes of course this is not okay it obviously has to do with the monkeys but and the apes i should have to clarify that the apes years ago when i was a kid they used to play some of the reruns of the plan of the apes movies uh, and like on saturday afternoons you know just because they were older movies they were like 30 years old so they were on you could watch them on on saturday afternoons and stuff and i watched some of them and i thought they were good but honestly the newer group of films the trilogy that came out of you know rise rise of the planet of the apes dawn of the planet of the apes and war war for the planet of the apes those movies are amazing the effects in those movies is insane like clearly there are certain movies that do effects really, really well, and there's other movies that like they do effects, but you can still st- you you can tell that it's effects, like special effects. But like with the Planet of the Apes, those movies are done so well, and they have to be done on like a really decent size, but not not like, like a giant budget because they're not humongous blockbusters. They don't make like you know like five hundred million dollars by any means. They they're modest. They make a modest amount of money, but it's but they have to have a budget to like do those effects. So it blows me away by how good those movies look. And I will admit, honestly, in like the last five years, I've only seen about one movie, one movie that I can remember that I cried during, and it was War for the Planet of the Apes. That movie was just, it had a sad ending. So the monkeys made you not, cry again. Yeah, not not <laughs> just because of the monkeys. Um, some older Probably ones. Was. Some older ones that I also really like, uh, not super old, but Ocean's yeah. Eleven. I haven't seen the new Ocean's 8 movie. I know it ties into it loosely, but uh, the Ocean's movie, I love heist mm-hmm. movies. Those are always really fun. The Rocky movies, that's like one of my classic trilogy or classic, not trilogies, but classic franchises You're that Rocky I really guy, enjoy. Huh? Yeah, I love, I love those Rocky movies. Okay. Mostly because when I was, uh, my last year in high school, I was pretty built and one of, I, I earned the nickname Drago. So Really? There's that. I see that coming. Well, yeah, yeah, it's not always there. And then, uh, I guess one of my last ones is like I really do like the Pix all the Pixar movies, but specifically Toy Story. By far, I love the Toy Story movies. Um, I was the right age when the first one came out. Uh, the second one came out again at perfect age where I appreciated what was going on. I got some of the stuff. Toy Story three comes along like years, like fifteen years later or whatever, thirteen years later from the the other one, and like that movie came out, and I was watching that movie and thinking, man, this is like literally like my childhood, and it's like moving on, and the, this is so awesome. So, those are my franchises. Hmm. I like that we're all different, and we have a nerdy core because Star Wars is a must. <laughs> I think it's weird that you were called Drago. <laughs> I think I think there's gonna have to be a moment where I work that in at some point on the podcast. You you can try to figure it out. That's fine. And then there, the, it, it was a combination of when I would go to parties, I drank a lot of vodka, and that was the only drink I drank. Really? And I had a haircut that that kind of made me look like, you know, that 80s Drago haircut. And I was a bigger guy. So so the next time you – I'll tell you what I'm going to do right now because I think it would be more fun this way because I'm going to be waiting for it. The next time you, like, get really angry about something, I'm going to be like, calm down, Drago. You know, like – just saying. So just be ready for it. That's where we're going. I will break that. That's, that's, and that should be the only response you have. Yes. Ever. Okay. So hopefully you guys enjoyed this monkey watch. Uh, I tried to actually include some monkeys this time around. That's not really important. Not, not, on, not, not on purpose. Not on purpose. I, I honestly, I honestly did not, but I just like 
pointing that out. But anyway, so hopefully you guys enjoyed Monkey Watch. If you guys have a suggestion of what you'd like us to talk about for Monkey Watch, and obviously keep in mind that we have to try to keep these Monkey Watches uh, roughly less than 10 minutes just because of how much time we normally have. Sometimes we might have more time. But if you guys have a suggestion that you'd like us to talk about for Monkey Watch, like you want to learn something about us as the host of the comic cast, if you guys want to learn something about our likes of something then or, or our dislikes of something yeah let us know in the comment section and we will consider those for a future episode so with that that is everything for this episode i want to remind everybody to head over to the website for all the latest news related to movies tv merchandise video games and of course the comics also be sure to check out all the other podcasts as you're listening to this there have been new episodes of bat fans robin everyone loves the drake the tbu commentaries back old oracle so check out all of those. There's also the last episode of Bat Books for Beginners. Just a quick note. So I made a mistake and Jerry and Chris ended up reviewing the wrong series because I gave I gave them the wrong assignment. So if you are looking for Bat Books for Beginners, it was pulled because we, we covered the wrong thing. And as I've said multiple times, structure is everything and that reading That's list fact. has to be has to be on, on on par with what it should be. So they will have a new episode of uh, Batgirl Redemption next week as you're listening to this a week from the Friday that this releases. Uh, Batgirl Redemption will be out there, and then right around the corner we'll be seeing another Robin story. So be sure to be on the lookout for that. Also, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube for all the latest news and videos from the Batman universe. Also, be sure to leave us reviews on iTunes. Those are always greatly appreciated. And they're always greatly appreciated if you give us a positive review. I mean, if you're going to give us a negative review, just write us in the comments section telling us we suck and... That'll be that'll be that'll be. Fun. Yeah, the one, the ones where you um, people so, complain about me being a Scott Snyder sycophantist, you know, no, that's okay. I got the point. We don't need him anymore. <laughs> yeah, we, we we know it. Everybody who listens to this knows that that's the case. I guess uh, iTunes reviews aren't really what they used to be anyway, so it's not really that big of a deal. I don't even know why I really ask for the reviews anymore because we get like one or two reviews a year, and honestly, it's mostly people who are just pissed off at us. So, but if you like to put a positive one out there, we'll take it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll take it. We'll take it. And of course, if like I said, if you want to support us on Patreon, there's tons of rewards. So just go to patreon.com slash thebatmanuniverse.net or thebatmanuniverse, I should say. And then you'll find our Patreon account and you can check out what rewards you would like to receive from the Batman Universe. So with that, that is everything for this episode. This is Dustin. This is Ed. And this is Steph. And this has been the Batman Universe Comic Podcast. We'll see you guys in two weeks.